Well, good morning, IFC. How's everybody feeling today? Man, y'all look good. If I haven't met you, my name is Josh Roberts. I'm honored to serve as the lead pastor here today. On the, on the way out after service, I'm going to be at the front door. If I've never met you, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself. I'd love to shake your hand. And on behalf of all of our church family, if you're a guest with us, whether you're in the house or watching online, we say welcome home. Hopefully today you feel uh, welcomed. Hope that you're uh, going to meet some great people. I know um, God's got a plan for you today. I like to say this as kind of my mantra. Birgit's back. Hey, Birgit. Welcome home. Uh, one of my mantras is I'm in the right place at the right time. Oh, you guys know this mantra. You want to say it with me? Let's declare it together. Say, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right stuff. One more time, say, I'm in the right place. Shake your head like this. Somebody, you need, you need to tell yourself, you're in the right place today. I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. You know, if you, if you know anything about me or, or, or my life, I, I believe in the power of confession. And so even this morning, you may be in the wrong place. You can declare you're in the right place. I don't feel like I'm in the right place in my life. Change your verbiage. The Lord is directing your steps. Declare it over your life today. I'm in the right place, Eric, at the right time. Some of you, the Lord's been, the enemy's been telling you, you missed your window, you missed your time. I want to tell you this, you're right on time. I said, you're right on time. You're right on time. You haven't missed nothing yet. With the right people, with the right people, your company's important. I like to call it tribes. Your tribe is important. The direction that your people are is the direction your life goes. Someone said this to me a long, long time ago, and I've heard it ever since. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Maybe you're here looking for friendship. Maybe you're here looking for relationship. You're in the right place at the right time with the right people. God's connecting you today. Don't just skip out after service. Go hang out. Go meet some people. Go, go find out what IFC is all about. I can tell you this. It's all about people. And together when we join with the right people, man, and we do the right thing, God gets all the glory. Amen. Um, I'm a little fired up today. I, I just spent a week in Tulsa, Oklahoma with, with our family uh, and, and a missions conference called Fire for the Nations. Uh, we got to celebrate and worship God um, with, with uh, Mark Brzee Ministries. They just celebrated 25 years of ministry, and that's where Stephanie and I met in the summer of 2000. She was 19, I was 24, and little did we know that 23 years later, we'd be pastoring an international church, a sending base where people are coming and going all over the world. We had a team just come back from Honduras this past week where, man, they saw God do amazing things. I think I saw Jean-Claude Noah here, man, coming and going from Africa back and forth. Um, I'll say this to you, and I'll, I'll share more about this in the fall. Uh, there is not just a, you know, someone said, oh, there's an international vibe at your church. <laughs> and I'm like, duh. <laughs> Look around, it's, it, but it's more than a vibe. It's a mandate. And even how he's collected the nations here together and how we get to do life with each other, even though our past and our place of origin may be different, I want you to know this. I want to declare this today. This isn't just an international church. We are a sending base. We are a sending base. And my prayer is that we're going to see teams 
and individuals come and go from this house and travel all over the world declaring the goodness of God. Declaring the goodness of God. I just want to talk just for a couple minutes and then I'll jump into my message because I, I, I got some stuff in my heart that I want to share with you. But I want to say right here at the beginning of this message, thank you for your faithful giving to this house. You know, you don't give to a church, you give through a church. I've heard people say, I've never given my money to that church again. Keep your money then. We're not collecting your money. We're actually sending your money around the globe to further the gospel, to further the kingdom. And as your pastor, I want to say, I'm grateful this week. Man, we handed out thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Say it with me. And thousands. How much? And tens of thousands of dollars this week going out to missionaries traveling all over the world. This morning, the gospel is being preached in Tibet because of your faithful giving. This morning, all over the nation, the country of Africa, the continent of Africa, man, there are people gathering and hearing the gospel for the very first time because your seed is making room this morning in Turkey, this morning in France, this morning in Belgium, this morning in Thailand. Guess what? The gospel's being declared because there's a rowdy group of people that God's called together to say, hey, we're going to go and we're going to send others. And so I want to just say thank you for your, your faithful generosity to, to allow this church to sow your seed. I call it the twice-sown seed. The twice-sown seed. You ever had a twice-baked potato? I was, at, I was at Legal Sea a few weeks ago, and they, they had a baked stuffed lobster. I think we're going to eat those in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> but they had cooked this lobster, then they pulled it out, and they had added shrimp and stuffing and, and scallops and some other stuff, and then they put it back in the oven and cooked it again. I'm from the South, man. We like stuff baked, cooked, fried. I'm going to say this to you. Your seed was twice sown this week all over the world. I came home, um, come home stirred after being in Tulsa with such radical people. We had over 20 nations represented there where missionaries came home. And this week they're traveling back to their nations. I was stirred in my, in my soul and in my heart that, 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 that I've got to do more for God in this season than I did in the last. I hear these stories about missionaries going into closed countries where they're not supposed to be, and the spirit of faith on them come off on me and say, man, I'm not doing much for the Lord. When I get home, I got to do more. Stirred for souls. Stirred for souls and stirred with a, a passion and a zeal to make sure that, that what started in this house 41 years ago continues today. A group of people who care more about the lost than they care about themselves. A group of people who are consumed with our neighbors and our friends that don't know Christ. And that we would be given the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That we would be, have the opportunity to be the light of the kingdom of someone trapped in a dark world. That's who you are. So this morning I come home excited. I want to talk this morning for a little bit of time about living intentionally. And I want to specifically talk about the life of faith. But let me pray for you. Lord, we... We thank you for your word. It's forever settled in heaven. You said it's never changing. It's the sure anchor of hope we can attach our life to. And even when everything around us is shifting and moving, when we attach our life to you and your word, we're anchored. We're steady. You hold us steady. 
And so, Father, I ask you to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what you'd have for us today. Lord, speak to us about your calling on our life. Speak to these young people about the mission that you have ahead of them. Speak to these families about the purpose for why you brought them together. Lord, give me boldness to declare your word as you placed it in my heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Would you guys give me one second and give it up for Bianca? She's leaving for school this week. We're going to miss you. Thanks for playing so much. I was reading this week about intentional living, and I came across a story of John Maxwell, the big leadership guru. If you don't know who John Maxwell is, he's probably one of the greatest leadership teachers of our day. And he was telling the story about in 1976. How many remember that year? How many of you were born before 1976? That was actually my birth year, so that was 47 years ago. He was telling the story about his assistant, and she gave him a book for his birthday, and he was so excited. She had wrapped it up real nice and put a bow on it, and, and she said, here, John, I got you a gift. And he opened the book and began to unwrap it, and, and the title of the book said, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And he got excited. He was smiling, and he was watching her, and she was watching him. He began to flip through the pages, only to find out that there was nothing written on the pages. It was an empty book. And he was confused. He was like, I was excited about reading this. And inside the book she had written in the, in the cover of the book was a little note, and it said, John, your life is before you. Fill these pages with kind acts, good thoughts and matters of the heart. Write a great story with your life. Today, I want to talk to you about intentional living, and what kind of story are you writing? If there was a book written about your life, at the end of your days, what would be in it, and what would be said of you? For many people, when you ask a question like that, they, they grow perplexed because they don't feel like they're making a difference. Many people would say, I don't know what my story tells, and I'm not sure that anybody would want to read it because my life has just been survival of me just getting from point A to point B to D to F to all the way to Z. Someday, somehow, I'm praying that I just arrive in heaven. And I want to tell you, that's not God's purpose for your life. I said, that's not God's purpose for your life. My friend Greg Baca, who serves on our team, uh, he remotely from Tulsa now, he, he talks about intentional living. And he poises the question to different people, and he poised it to me several years ago. He said, let me ask you a question. Are you living life by default, or are you living life by design? And today I poise that question to you. Is your life a product of default? of what's happened to you, or are you living out of a place of design knowing that God has a purpose and a destiny for you? And maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know how to answer that question. I want to put some things in you today. You guys awake today? I, I want to put something in you. You know, a lot of times we come to church and, and I'll teach you things. And today I, I want to teach, but really what I want you to do is I want you to catch the heart of what God the Father is saying to you as an individual. I want you to catch the spirit of faith that I believe resides on this house. And if this is home for you, then it's available for you. And that's a life of design, of purpose, and destiny for your life. 
truth is, is Jeremiah 29, 11 makes it very clear. And I, I love the scripture. It says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. You know, God thinks about you. Some people say, nobody ever think about me. I got to think about myself. No, no, no. You ain't got to worry about that. God's thinking about you all the time. In fact, you were on his mind before you were born. He said, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. In fact, they're great thoughts. They're good thoughts. I have plans for success in a bright future for you. And if you've never heard that message or you've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the message of the gospel. He came to give you life and life. Y'all going to help to help me. First service was way more energetic. I already preached my guts out first service. I only got a little left in the tank. Y'all got to help me. He said, I came that you might have life. It might have life more abundantly. His purpose for your life is not to survive. It's that you would thrive and excel right now in this season. Truth is, is he's called you to live a life of offense when many people are playing defense. A life of offense is taking territory. A life of defense is protecting things. I've been praying, the praying this week as we've been hearing these missionary stories and, and hearing all the great things that God's doing in, in, around the world. And, and I'll be honest with you, I was challenged because I feel like sometimes I'm playing it too safe. You remember when you didn't have any money? And, and then you got some money, and you're like, now I'm going to take this money, and I'm going to use it to make more money. You remember that? I don't know about you guys. I was broke at one time. I had nothing. And I remember, if I could just get a little bit of something to get something started, man, God would do something in my life. And then all of a sudden, you get a little bit of money, you get a little bit of stuff, and now you, you spend your life protecting it? I'm going to preach to Pastor Mo. He's the only one helped me today. <laughs> I want to say this to you, you're not, you're not called to live a safe life. Right. You know this, I love this statement, this is one of my, one of my favorite quotes, is that the greatest risk in life is taking no risks at all. Right. Come on. But what is it about us Christians, we get to a certain place in our life and we're like, this is good enough, I'm, I'm good here, I, I don't need much more, I don't want to risk anything, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Chill out and enjoy the ride. And I want to tell you, that's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of apathy. The spirit of God says, hey, if I gave you that, I can give you more. Let's get going. And I want to challenge you today. He didn't bring you this far to only bring you this far. Don't get comfortable. As we enter this fourth, the fourth quarter of this year, our kids are going back to school. Our, our routines are going to be shifted. Don't get comfortable. Get uncomfortable. Ask the Lord, what is it? In the season, you want to do through me. What is your purpose for this day, for this week, for this month, for this quarter? So let's talk about intentional living for the next few minutes. I got this on the screen for you. You can write it down or you can take a screenshot of the, of the, of the, the TV. But listen to this. Intentional living involves and requires making conscious choices and actively shaping your life according to God's word. Intentional living is living by the blueprint that God created for you, not your map of success. It's acknowledging consciously, daily, every moment by moment, making choices, and then by those choices, allowing the Word of God to shape your very steps, your very life. The truth is, is your life of faith requires you to choose it. 
God called you. I think we all know this. You hear people say it all the time. Hey, remember that time when you found Jesus? And we have to correct them because he, you didn't find Jesus. He found you. He, he found you, but, but now you have to choose to follow him. You have to choose every day to follow him. You have to choose every day to shake off the cobwebs and get off the rust and say, Lord, hey, I, I want to be more productive in the next season for the kingdom than I was in the last. You and I have to choose the life of faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's your choice. It's your choice. Here's the truth. Every day you and I get up and we choose to walk by faith and trust God and trust his word or... By default, we choose to live according to our flesh and our plans and submit ourselves to the culture in the way of the world. I want to say this to you very boldly. There has never been a greater time than to take a stand for Jesus than right now. There's never been a more important time to make him the Lord of your life and to open up his word and find out about his plan than right now in this moment. Thank you. And I'm calling our church up higher. We're not here just to fit in here. We're here to stand out. A few years ago when we were in Mobile, Alabama, right before we moved to Boston, I was praying about the Lord's steps for us. And I said, Lord, wherever you want us to go, we're going to go. And I don't care if it's to Mongolia or Pakistan or the Philippine Islands. I don't care where you've called me and my family to go. We will go where you call us. We prayed that prayer. Here am I. Send us. And in that prayer, I was saying, I choose to follow you by faith wherever you call us. I pray pray that that is your prayer today. So many people are just living passive lives taking life as it comes to them. I'm not taking life as it comes to me. I'm blazing a trail with the spirit of God as my direction and the spirit of faith saying, I'm on my way to do something for the kingdom. Man, I wish there was five people that would get excited today and help me because here's the thing. It takes leaders to step out and say, I'm going against the grain. It's easy to fit in and just go with culture and allow them to tell you what you should be, who you should become, and what you should do with your life. Listen to me, young people. There's no greater adventure than the life of faith chasing God's plan for your life. Every one of us are presented with this. I think about uh, uh, students like Bianca going to college. I think about our high school students getting ready to go back to school, our middle school students going back into the world. Every day as parents, we have the opportunity to help them choose to follow God because your kids are going to come home and want to fit in. I don't know about you, but I didn't want to stand out in school. I didn't want to be different. I was insecure about who I was, and so it's easier to fit in and just be a part of the crowd. But I can tell you this, man. When God got a hold of my life and spoke to me about his purpose, I realized I ain't never going with those group of people. He's called me up and out, and I've consecrated my life to choose a life of faith to lead others to him. Here's what happens when you choose the life of faith. You have set off a trigger in the enemy's camp. Because you're going cross grain. You're swimming upstream. And I can say this to you. Whenever you choose the life of faith, you are choosing and seeking a life of confrontation. Yes, sir. 
which is why many people do not want to follow God. Because it causes us to have to live differently than everybody in our workplace and the way they live. It causes us to have to be responsible and steward our finances greater than everybody else that's just buying all the toys because that's what they want. It causes a greater responsibility when we understand that we're going to be confronted and we are the confronters for the kingdom. I hear people say this to me over the years and they said, I just want to be found faithful. Have you heard that before? You ever met somebody and you said, man, what? tell me about your walk with the Lord. I just want to be found faithful. And I'm fine with that statement as long as we agree on what faithfulness is. Because I think many people's definition of faithfulness, Connie, is different than my definition of faithfulness. When I look at the gospels and when I look at the stories and the heroes of faith, I don't find faithfulness as holding the fort. I find faithfulness as taking territory. Hear me say that. You're not called just to maintain what he's given you. You're called to obtain the promises you haven't got a hold of yet. So many people confused in their mind by the way that they were raised and the education system that they subjected themselves and different people groups have allowed other lids to be put on them because of the color of their skin or the background or their education level. I want to tell you this, when you step into the kingdom of God, all those limitations are erased and your future is what you make of it. I said it's what you make of it. So why not make it a great life? Why not make it a life of intentionality? Why not make it a life of purpose and destiny? Joshua 24, 15, which says, he says, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day. Choose this day who you will serve. You can go back and serve the gods which your father father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell right now. But for me and for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He was saying, you got to have to choose for you. And today as your pastor, you have to make a choice, men. We talked to the men for two seconds. You have to make a choice for you and your family because your family's following your lead. And if you choose not to follow the Lord, guess what? Your wife and your kids will choose not to follow the Lord. When a man has a revelation of his purpose and his destiny and his calling and he says yes to the things of God, not only will he lead his family, I believe he can lead other families. I said, I believe he can lead other families. What's missing in the body of Christ in this generation is godly men who will stand up and say, hey, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I said, for, for, for me and my house, as a man of God standing before him, I'm going to give an account there. For me and my house, I'm going I'm to serve the Lord. And then I get to call other people. I say, how about you, my friend? How about you, brother? How about you guys? Are you going to follow the Lord and serve him with your whole heart? And guess what? When you do that, you realize you're really not swimming against the grain because there's other people going with you. There's a power of unity. There's a power in, in understanding. I'm not the only one. Joshua had to choose. Every day we get to choose. He trusted God. He heard from God. He obeyed God and then he chose the faith of Moses and said, if it was good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. And the truth is every one of us have a choice every single day. 
And I'll be honest with you, it's a difficult choice. Our mandate this year, it's on the walls and it's on the front of the building and the back of the building. And our mandate this year is love all, serve all. You know what? That mandate may be given from God, but we have to choose to walk in it. I got to be honest with you. When the waitress at the restaurant is rude to me, I don't feel like loving all right now. When the guy cuts in front of you in traffic right before you get ready to get off 93 and he cuts in front of you and slams on the brake, I want to tell him, you're number one in my book. I don't love him right now. We were driving this rental car this last week and it's new technology, man. It's crazy. This, this car, it'll break for you. I, I, I'm in traffic and, and all of a sudden this dude jumped in front of me and the car screeched to a halt. I almost hit my head on the steering wheel. Had the kids in the car. I'm like, I hope I didn't just curse out loud. And then the Lord said, you can either bless him or curse him. It's your choice. That's right. You're laughing at me. It happens to all of us. Every single day, you're presented with an opportunity to choose the high road and to love people or we choose to curse them. How about this? Love is one part. How about serving somebody? Every day it's a choice to love all and to serve all. For some of us, we'll say, well, I'll serve these people, but I ain't serving those kind of people. Every day we have a choice to love people that you don't know, that look different than you. The greatest challenge right now in our society, it goes back to, to, to how we appear and how we view people. Man judges people by the color of their skin. Man judges people by how much money they got. Man judges people by how many accolades or titles they have. And Jesus said, man, I came to love all and serve all. But guess what? That's a difficult choice. Every day when someone has a different background, they look different than you. They talk different than you. Their agenda is different than you. But we have the choice. We talked about giving a few minutes ago. It's a choice to, to honor God with our tithe. You know what? The truth is, you don't have to tithe. Jesus mentioned the word tithe and everybody gets quiet. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe in tithing for any other reason than, than that God said it works. Yeah. I didn't hear some preacher convince me to tithe. I found it in the book where he said, if you'll bring 10% of your income, which by the way, I gave you. Yeah. He gave you that job. You didn't get that job on your own. You ain't that smart. You ain't that educated. We know you. We know where you're from. You know yourself. And yet some of us want to tout, I did this. I went to school here. I have these degrees. By the grace of God, you did all that. And I found in the book that when I recognize it's the grace of God and I got that great job, now I get to honor him in my tithe. It's a choice. I'm going to tell you this just as clear as a bell right now. Some of you believe in God for a financial miracle. You need something to break free. You need favor on your job. You need a promotion. You need an influx of, of resources. I'm going to say this to you. Man, if you're not tithing, you're tying God's hands up. You get to tithe. And you know what? Even beyond that, we get to sow seed above our tithe. What is it? It's making a way for me in my future. I said, it's making a way for me in my future. 
I've been, I've been worried about my investments lately, my, my natural investments. And the Lord said, stop worrying about your investments. Start thinking about your seed. I don't know about you, but my 401k looks like, man, it looks crazy right now. I don't know about you, but my savings account looks weird. Not as much money in there as it used to be. And those swords said, get your focus off of those things, and you choose to continue to be generous. You continue to trust me in your giving. You continue to trust me in your tithe. And watch this. He said what he said in the book. Hey, I'll open up windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't even have room enough to receive it. Oh, you're one of those money preachers. No, no, no. I'm one of those kingdom preachers. That's a kingdom principle that you and I get that the world doesn't get to tap into. You ever ever been around people that are multi-level marketers? God bless them. But you you know how it works. It's, It's a lot of pressure. And it usually starts with some kind of sales pitch like, hey, I want to tell you about a brand new opportunity. You ever had one of those conversations? It's a brand new opportunity. It's a, it's a ground level opportunity. And I'm sharing it with you because I love you. And I want the best for you. And I know you've had some challenges, but I want to present you with this possibility. That's what the Lord's saying. Hey, I want to give you something. It ain't groundbreaking. It's been working for generations. Tap into my kingdom. Tap into my covenant. Partner with me in your finances and watch what I do for you. Somebody need to hear that today. Hebrews 10.38 says, the just shall live by faith. What's the, who are the just? Those that are justified. Those that have been justified. And for, for all you new to church, justification simply means Jesus sees you as just as you hadn't sinned. I think people think that, that God sees us for how we are. Dressed in my denim, in my boots, with my tattoos, with my hair slicked over. Put yourself in that picture. He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. You know that, right? Then when God's looking down, he's not looking at you. He sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when he sees you, he sees you justified. So this scripture is for you. The just shall live by faith. But, everybody say but. Grab a hold of your butt. If, if, if you draw back, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Man, I want to please God with my life. If you've given your heart to the Lord, that was your desire. I just want to please him. I just want to honor him. I, I just want to magnify. I just want him to be proud of me. I want to do something for him because he's done so much for me. Well, how do we do that? We do it by living the life of faith. Faith is a choice. The second thing that we understand after realizing it's a choice is you, you have to understand that, that, that your faith, it's not passive. It's active. It's not static. It's It's, it's active. What does that mean? It means it's going to require action. It's going, to, it's going to take you stepping out and trusting him based on what he said he would do. Many people get stuck right here. They read the book, but then they say, well, I don't know if that would happen for me. I don't know if I, could, if I can do that. I don't know if I could tithe. I realize, everybody else, I don't know if I can afford to. Let me say this to you. You can't afford not to. For some of us in our body, we have the mentality of, of, you know, maybe God will heal somebody, maybe he doesn't. Listen, when you pray, 
and believe God for healing. It's not, it's not like going to the casino and rolling the dice. This isn't a crapshoot. We have his word that says, by Jesus' stripes, we have been healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he took stripes upon his back. He was made a curse for me. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. What is it? That's knowing that, that God wants to do something for me. And I'll tell you this, the way I receive it is actively persist, participating in the Bible as opposed to passively just reading it as if it's for somebody else. Matthew 7 says it this way, ask, everybody say ask, ask and it will be given to you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened, for the one who asks will always receive, the one who is searching will always find, and the door is open to the man who knocks. What's he talking about? He's talking about searching the scriptures for the promises. I believe this, there is a promise for every problem. There's a purpose in a, in a, in a, 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 for every problem. There's a promise for your situation. And the question is, are you asking, seeking, and knocking? So many people have this mentality. That, well, if God wanted me to have that, he would drop it in my lap. And we pawn it off on him like, hey, if I don't get it, I guess he didn't want me to have it. But I can tell you this, man, there's so many things that you're going to have to obtain by faith that it's going to take you actively perusing the scriptures, getting them in your heart and delivering them with your mouth and you receive them by your words. I was thinking about my friend right here, had cancer three times. We were playing golf three times. He wasn't just sitting around waiting for the Lord if he wants to heal me. Man, he got in the scriptures and found out what the book said, and he began to actively declare those over his life. And the miracle power of God entered his body, began to heal him. And a second time, and a third time, guess what? He's the God of miracles. He's the God. This is the book of promises. And I want to tell you, stop sitting by passively waiting for somebody to do something for you. Get aggressive with your faith. Get aggressive with your faith. When I was broken in debt, I mean broke as a joke. Some people say they're poor. No, no, no. I was Paul. Some of the people say, I ain't got good credit. Listen, my credit report, there was so much stuff on there. They kept stapling pages to it. You couldn't put any more on. I had no money, and I owed everybody tons of money. And I got to the place where I got fed up. And I said, Lord, I'm a tither. I've honored you in my giving. Lord, I sow seed. I've given above my tithe. Now, you said in your word, and that's the key. You said. You said it. Say that out. You said. And I got delivery. You said this. I'm holding you to it. Came a day in my life where I was so frustrated because the phone was ringing all day long from creditors. Hey, we're going to come and take your stuff. I ain't got no stuff. <laughs> we're going to come by and see if you got any stuff. And if we find something, we're going to take it. Cause, cause, and I said, man, you can come by. We'll have a cup of coffee. I got, I got nothing for you. You keep calling me every month. Hey, you got our money? No. They call you back the next month. Anybody had a creditor call? They're persistent, right? They are persistent, bunch of people. Hey, Mr. Roberts, this is so-and-so from AT&T. You know that bill you owed us from 1997? The interest is accrued. It's still accruing. Hey, would you like to pay that $42,000, yo? 
Isn't it wild how a, a phone bill that was 1999, 20 years ago now, now you owe them your first child and your 401k. <laughs> like the interest just builds and you know what? It, it, it creates fear in us. I don't know if you've ever been in debt, but it's hard to sleep at night because the fear of what about tomorrow, especially if you have a family and you have a wife and a kids and you don't know how you're going to put food on the table and that phone keeps on ringing and the enemy's trying to instill fear in you. And yet on the coffee table, there's a book that's trying to instill faith in you. Some of us, we got to turn off the phone, turn off what everybody else is doing. And get desperate enough and active enough that you say enough is enough. And for some of us, it's our responsibility to break a generational curse. Your grandparents are poor. Your parents are poor. And so you think you're supposed to be poor. Not in my house. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to go into the promised land. How can you say that? I'm not saying it in my own ability. I'm saying what he said. He said he would rebuke the devourer for my sake. I don't know why we're talking about money today. Somebody need to hear this. He said he would rebuke the devourer for your sake and pour out a blessing. You ain't got enough pockets, bank accounts, and safes to hold it all. That's called blessed to be a blessing. But here's the thing. You got to know not only that it's a choice, but you have to choose and activate your faith. Matthew 11 says, from the days of John the Baptist till this present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured a violent assault. Violent men, they seize it by force. I love how he says this in the Amplified Classic. As a precious prize, they get a share in the heavenly kingdom with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Whatever you need is in the book. Go get it. Open up the book. Go get it. Write it down. Plaster it all over your house. Become crazy with it. You come to my house and go into our kitchen, you're going to think we're obsessed Man, that, he must be a preacher. There's scriptures all over the house. Not because I'm a preacher, because I'm a child of the king. I'm claiming my inheritance. So when you open my refrigerator, guess what? There's sticky notes on there. And there's, there's post-it notes in my bathroom. And in my kids' mirrors, we write stuff. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to put the promises in their eyes so they can drop it in their heart, knowing that when they release it with the mouth, God has to perform. Some of you are going to have to get a hold of this, this, this season right now. You need a miracle in your marriage. Go through the Bible and find the scriptures about God's blessing on your house. Paste them all over your house. Get the word in your eyes. Get the word in your ears. Get the word in your mouth and aggressively put a demand on God and his word. The third point I want to make today before we go is life is a choice. You have to be aggressive about it. Number three, the life of faith your life of faith, and my life of faith that's anchored in God's Word. Where do you get that kind of faith? From, from God's Word. From God's Word, and the more you're in the God's Word, guess what? You'll get to know the God of the Word. There's a difference between knowing the Word of God and knowing the God of the Word. What is that? It's time with Him. It's relationship. It's investment. It means I've put Him first. And for some of us, it can't be just grandma's scripture that she used to quote over us. It has to become the scripture that God's given to you personally. I'll say this to you. When you have a relationship with God at the level that he wants, man, he'll take you to scriptures and say, this one's for you. Mr. Peterson, this is just for you today. 
You get to know the God of the word, it won't be about, I don't know what to read. The Bible says that he will lead you and guide you every day. He'll take you to the scriptures and show you the ones that say, this is a good one for you to believe me on right now. This is a good one for you to trust me on right now. As everything seems like it's falling apart, I'll go to his word and find out, no, things are just falling into place. Truth is, is I've declared for me and my house, we're going to be word first people. How about you? When the economists say, pull all your money out of the stock market, I'm going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? When the interest rates are crazy and it seems like we shouldn't be buying stuff, I don't care what the feds are doing. I'm tuned into the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, are you wanting us to make that investment right now? Everybody else is saying, bad time to invest. Maybe the Lord's speaking something different to you. I don't know. When everybody else's kids are going crazy, You need a word from the Lord. Train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he's old, he won't depart from it. How do you raise kids in a day like today? You do it by faith. How do you raise children that'll go against culture? You instill the faith of God in them. You introduce them at an early age to a a relationship with Jesus Christ and you teach them not only to love his word but how to hear his voice. Never in a lifetime, I'll make a bigger statement, never in the history of time has the Word of God been more important for our families. Never. Not 30 years ago, not 50 years ago, not 500 years ago. 5,000 years ago or 15,000 years ago, there's never been a greater time where a generation of people have got to bond together over the Word of God and say, this is my anchor. And no matter what the news channel is saying, no matter what these people are saying, or this party, or these influencers, hey, I'm steady Eddie, man. I'm anchored to the rock. Nothing's going to move me. When a generation is following their feelings, and educators and doctors are telling them, hey, go with what you want, man. Follow your gut. Be you. The Bible says complete opposite. Your life is not your own. Your feelings will betray you. The word of God, forever settled in heaven, never changing. Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of you say, oh, that old time Pentecostal, that old church stuff, it won't work today. He's the same. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. The only thing that's changing is me and you. And I'm going to be one that does not conform to this world. I'm going to renew my mind with the word. Because I won't be right on time with the right people doing the right thing. How can you say that? I don't say it boastfully. I say it in confidence. God's word is true. Hebrews 11 says it this way. Fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, it's the firm. Everybody say firm. It's the solid foundation of, under everything that makes this life worth living. It's my handle on what I can't see. This act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Listen to me. Let me read this to you out of the Message Bible. By faith, By believing God, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, everything was made at God's command. 
By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. It was by faith, by trusting God, that Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. It was an act and exercise of faith when Abraham said yes to God's call that would lead him to an unknown place to become his home. It was a great trust in God by a barren woman named Sarah that she was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed. She believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. See, each one of these people of faith, they died not yet having in hand what was promised, yet still believing. How did they do it? As they saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. See, people who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. See, if they were homesick, for their old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that. They knew their home was heaven. You can see why God is so proud of them, and he has a city waiting for them. By faith, Abraham, during a time of testing, he offered Isaac back to God. By an act of faith, Esau, uh, Isaac reached into the future, and he blessed his boys, Jacob and Esau. See, these heroes of ours, they're not just heroes, they're heroes of faith. If they can take God at his word, so can we. If they can believe him, so can we. See, the book isn't just old stories. It's alive and active. And what God did for them, he's wanting to continue to do through us. We're still writing the book of Acts. What is the book of Acts? Men and women who trusted God against culture. He's still performing miracles. He's still fulfilling promises. He's still holding true to his word, and he's waiting for you and I to take him up on it. So when life is tossing you around, and you feel like you're about to go under for the last time, remind yourself, I'm anchored to God's word, and it holds me steady through every storm. I challenge you in closing today, as we get ready to reset our schedules, for many of us, our kids are going back to school, some of us going off to college, some of us adjusting our hours now at work and getting ready for the fourth quarter, it's important that we reestablish our rhythms in the Word and remind ourselves and remind those around us, I'm not living by default, I'm aggressively pursuing God's plan, the design for me. Today, as your pastor, I've chosen a yes. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what anybody else is doing or what anybody else is saying. We're going to live our life according to God's word. And I'm going to trust him because I know that faith is my direct connect to every victory in my life. Let me just say this to you. You're not fighting any battles. They've already been fought. The victory is yours to claim by faith. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Lord, I thank you for these people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for moving on the hearts of your children right now in this moment. I'm going to ask you just to stay seated. Nobody moving at this time. Maybe you don't know Jesus. 
you don't know Jesus, you don't know your true purpose. Maybe you've been hearing this message and you would say, I've been living by default, man. I've been just taking it as it comes and honestly, it's coming faster than I can handle. Life is moving at a tremendous speed and with it is coming a lot of pain and calamity and confusion. There's an answer for, for that. It's just called hope. And hope comes through Jesus Christ. 66 books we got of his perfect plan for you, a plan of redemption that you would be connected to God, your Father, that you would know his voice and know that he set you up for something amazing. If you've never received Christ Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity. I'll give you the opportunity to choose a life of faith. I want to let you choose the opportunity to trust him. All across this room, if you're here today, say, man, I need hope. I need clarity. I need direction. I, I need Jesus. Just put your hand up and wave it at me. I want to pray for you today. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out all across this room. I see a yes, yes. Put your hand up. Just wave it at me. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you. Yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. In the back, I see you. I got you. I got you right down front. I got you, buddy. I see you over there. Say, Pastor, I, I, I want to know about the design that he has for me. I know there's something greater on the inside of me. It's Jesus that unlocks that door and shows you your true potential. Last call. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you way in the back, all the way in the back. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need this light. I need direction. I got you. I see you in the back. Would you do this with me? We're a family church all across this room. Whether you raised your hand or maybe you're too embarrassed. I don't care. You don't need to do that to me. Say this prayer out of your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son. Thank you that he died on the cross for me that you rose him from the dead so I could live a victorious life right now, today, in this moment. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Anything I may have said or done against you and your word and your perfect plan for my life. Today I choose.